Let's begin. Students, welcome back to Lecture 7, Introduction to Homer's Odyssey, Book 9, Part 2, Slides 119 to 132, should not be a very long one today. So, let's recall where we've been. We were with Odysseus, he was on Ogygia, he made his way to the island of Scoria, met Nausicaa, then made his way to the palace of Alcanoas, who then has provided him with hospitality. We've seen three songs by the blind singer Demodocus, we've seen some athletics, and we even had a slight uh, skirmish uh, of wits between Euryalus, Laodamus, the son of Alcanoas, and Odysseus, but they have since essentially made up. Uh, Odysseus was then asked to tell his story. Who is he? Where is he from? And he told us the first two parts of his journey from Troy. We recall that he went to a place called Ismaros, where there were these individuals called Kikones, who he then sacked, but because of the foolishness and the recklessness of his companions, they stayed too long, and he lost six men per ship, 72 total men, because Odysseus at that time had 12 ships. As you know, he has zero now, so you know what the fate of his men is going to be. You also recall that probably from the first ten lines of the poem called The Prong. The second people he ran into after a storm sent by Zeus, and I told you this was sort of like when Dorothy goes from Kansas to Wonderland. Things are going to get magical. Things are going to get fantastical now. He ran into these sort of drug users called the Lotus Eaters, which we think, uh, scholars think, that having located certain plants along the Mediterranean, that uh, that plant might have been an opiate. And of course, we do have an opioid epidemic, and of course, one of the worst drugs, most addictive and life-ruining that we know of is heroin, which is actually a refined version of opium. And uh, you will hear about the opium wars with China uh, involving Britain uh, in your education of European history next year. Um, or world history. In any case, uh, these lotus eaters, when they take this sort of drug, it makes them forget their homecoming. They just end up sort of sitting around doing nothing. They don't get anywhere. They, they never make it to where they could have gone if they'd stayed directed. In any case, Odysseus sends two men there. They become addicted or uh, they at least get under the influence of the lotus. Don't want to leave. He himself goes to drag them back to the ship, chains them up, and then we get to where we are today. So, we are now at the Isle of the Cyclopes, and this is a, an episode that, unlike the uh, episode of the Lotus Eaters, is fairly in-depth. We, uh, we get a very close snapshot of what happens here, and this image up here I think is a pretty good one. The idea here is that we get to an island where there are creatures that are giants. They are much larger than humans are, and in fact, recall that these are the um, ancestors of the Phaeacians. The Phaeacians were themselves once giants who were related, bless you, um, to Poseidon. By uh, uh, Poseidon was the god who had the Cyclopes and the giants, and the giants would later become the Phaeacians and would immigrate to Scoria. So something interesting about the Phaeacians is they're no longer very large. It seems as if they gave up their great size for great intellect so that they could create their ships which are as fast as thought. The Cyclopes, however, have not chosen to become civilized. They have stayed large. They have stayed barbaric. Unfortunately for Odysseus and his crew, they do not know this when they get there. So, let's describe them a little bit. The Cyclopes are described as anomos. That means, in Greek, lawless. They don't have laws. So, already, bad news for Odysseus, especially because he's small and they're big. Oh. Second thing, they don't have any ships. That's because they haven't devoted themselves to shipcraft. They haven't devoted themselves to uh, uh, refining their intellects, to developing skills with their hands. And in fact, they don't even plant their own crops. The only thing that we know that they uh, do really with their hands is they're shepherds. They seem to have flocks of sheep that they take out into the, um, they take out to pasture and then bring back 
um, home. And they also seem to be capable of milking those sheep because we will see that Polyphemus has cheese that Odysseus's men eats. Um, hmm. But Polyphemus will eat something very different once he meets Odysseus. Not cheese, that's for sure. In any case, the crew first sleeps on the shore. And then, in the morning, they set out to find out whether the Cyclopes are savage or uh, hospitable. And you can imagine they have a lot of hope right now. They're like, oh, these guys might be good guys. We might have a good time with them. That will not be the case. Odysseus takes 12 companions. Six of these companions are already doomed. And that will be a fairly common number. In fact, when we go by Scylla and Charybdis, six men will end up dying to the six vicious uh, snake heads or dragon heads of uh, Scylla. She's often re represented as having dragon heads because she has sort of a retractable neck. She has six heads, and her heads can go from the top of a cliff down to the sea. And she usually eats dolphins, but the day that Odysseus passes, she will eat man flesh. In any case... The men take a wonderful gift. They take some Pramnian wine. Pramnian wine that they had just gotten from the sacked city of the Cacones in Ismaros. And they take that to give as a gift to uh, Polyphemus. It will not help them very much, uh, unfortunately. So the men, they start to help themselves to food in the cave. And they sacrifice before eating. And then they hear, boom, 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 boom. I don't know if you've ever seen the land before time, but... Um, the Allosaurus that chases Littlefoot, who's a small brontosaurus, throughout the entirety of the movie, he's, he's often prefigured by boom, 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 by thunderous footsteps. And it's the same in Jurassic Park if you see the first one when the T-Rex finally gets out of its, uh, its pen and chases around the children in that uh, uh, electric car. In any case, Polyphemus shows up. First thing he does indicates that we are in a bad situation. There's a boulder next to the cave opening where he lives. Oh, something interesting also about this. Whereas the Phaeacians live in beautiful homes with gold and silver and bronze everywhere, indicating that not only can they build incredible ships, but they're incredible architects as well, highly civilized. The, the Cyclopes, they live in caves, which means they can't make homes at all. Uh, they do very little that cultivated individuals do for themselves. That said, the door of the cave is actually a boulder, a boulder that no man, not even 12 men, could push. But this giant, this Cyclopes, or excuse me, the Cyclops, Polyphemus, can't. He pushes the boulder into the entrance of the door. The men are totally trapped. They cannot escape. Okay. Well, Polyphemus, he sets about doing his business. I think he's making cheese. He's, uh, he's doing regular domestic chores in his cave. While he does that, he notices Odysseus and his men, and he starts to question them. And so he asks, hmm, hmm, are you a pirate? Have you just come here to steal, or are you some man who knows hospitality? Odysseus says, I'm a man who knows hospitality. And Polyphemus says, oh, okay, so uh, you came with these men, but where are your ships? Interesting that he would ask about Odysseus' ships. Likely the reason that he would ask where Odysseus' ships are is that after he kills Odysseus, he can go to a ship, steal his supplies, and eat his men. Uh, because soon we will see that this uh, Polyphemus is essentially a cannibal. Though he's a giant, which is technically a different species. Sorry, he is a giant Cyclops, which is technically a different species from man. They're all humanoid, and they all can speak. And so there's an expectation that you don't eat another creature that's sentient and can speak. That's uh, a wider definition of cannibalism than eating your own species. In any case... 
Odysseus says, I am a supplicant to you, and my fame is known all throughout the heavens. And I thought, as an Achaean alongside Agamemnon, trying to say something that makes this man recognize who he is, and not kill him, and offer him a gift, in fact. In fact, he, that is what he wants from Polyphemus. He's like, this is a big guy. Maybe you can give me a really great gift. Odysseus is not going to receive the best gift from Polyphemus, though he will offer him a guest gift at one point. In any case... One thing Odysseus says is he says, all men, all creatures fear the gods. This is when we really, really know that things are going to go south very fast. Plotimus says, I don't fear the gods. In fact, not even Zeus, even though he's the son of Poseidon. And Poseidon has given him everything that he has. He is so naive that he does not think that even he has to um, uh, honor the Zinnia. We will see how that works out for him. At first, it will work out well for him, but it will not end up working out for him in the long term. We'll see that later today. In any case, Odysseus knows he's in a bad situation, and now we really know we're in a bad situation. Polyphemus then picks up by the feet two of Odysseus's men. This is how large he is. And then, it's actually a really brutal description. It, it describes uh, the men as being killed in the same way that you would kill, say, a dog, uh, or in, in probably our times... A, Excuse me, a chicken. Yeah, by the feet, you bang its head on the ground, and it's dead. And that's what happens to, <coughs> excuse the cough, Odysseus's men. They are literally picked up by their feet. Imagine this as an end. Whoa! Banged into the ground. <coughs> Sorry, I'm going to keep drinking this. If there's a lot of coughing today, we just got to get through it. Bangs them into the ground. Their brains smatter everywhere. I mean, you can just imagine how much skull and brain went everywhere. And then he skins them. And then he cooks them, which means that in an enclosed space like a cave, what do you smell for the rest of the night and probably the rest of your life? The burning skin of your friends, which <coughs> is supposedly one of the terrible parts that people remember from being in the concentration camp during World War II of Auschwitz. There were terrible, terrible furnaces, and the smell that would come off those furnaces would often be friends and family members of yours that had just been burned and died. And that is something that Odysseus has to endure here. He has to smell the burning flesh of his friends before it is eaten right in front of him by Polyphemus, which is uh, awful. And you might imagine, since he's the leader, who does he hold at fault for this? <coughs> Zeus? The Cyclops? Probably himself. Sadly. Sadly, sadly, sadly. In any case, Polyphemus then wakes up the next day Kills two more men, makes them for breakfast. You know, breakfast is the most important part of the day. Uh, meal of the day, they say. So he has a couple men. Uh, that's nice. And then he moves the boulder, goes outside with his flock, moves the boulder back. Odysseus needs to think. What's he supposed to do? He's trapped in this cave. He can't move this boulder. How is he going to escape this one? This is a worse... <coughs> Excuse me. This is a worse situation than when he was in the Trojan horse at Troy. Is this how he's going to die? <coughs> mm, this recording is going to be fun. In any case, he comes up with a plan. And remember, Athena is not here helping him. He is the man who has to help himself. <coughs> First, remember the tools he has at his disposal. He's not stronger than the Cyclops. Certainly not. He uh, doesn't know the land doesn't have gods to come help him. In fact, you never know when the gods are going to come help you in Greek mythology. Occasionally they do. Sometimes they even hurt you. Remember Pandoros. 
And so, what does he have at his disposal? Well, he has what's inside the cave. Well, what did he bring into the cave? Well, he brought a few men. There are only eight of them left, not the twelve that he first came in now. But he does have that wine. Wine. And now, remember one of the themes I told you about in this book. Whenever you do anything that muddles your wits, that makes you think less clearly than you can, you are in danger. Because the thing that saves you in this world, if you're a human, is your what? Your mind. The thing that allows you to think, to think of solutions to things. Well, Odysseus thinks this. He's like, okay, I do want vengeance on this Cyclops. And, ah, yes, the other thing you might wonder is, why doesn't, why doesn't Odysseus just kill the Cyclops while he's sleeping? Well, who thinks they know the answer? There's a very clear answer. Yes? can't open the cave. If they kill the Cyclops, they're effectively killing who? Themselves, too. And they might have to be, uh, 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 how do I say this, uh, cannibals themselves by the end of that. Terrible, terrible, terrible. In any case, yes, you can't just kill him. So what's he going to do? He's going to offer Polyphemus some of this unmixed wine. Unmixed with water. What does that mean? It means it's stronger than usual. It means it has more of an effect. It means it will muddle his wits quicker. And he doesn't know much temperance, this Cyclops. He's just going to drink and drink, and drink. And he also is not very clever. He doesn't seem to recognize that Odysseus, this small little man, when he sees him, he underestimates him. And this is something that most people do to their detriment when they see Odysseus. They're like, look at this little guy. He's, a, he's, he's nothing. It's like, he is far more than nothing, even though he might be a nobody. In any case, when Polyphemus gets drunk, he'll fall asleep. He has a walking stick made from an olive tree. Well, Odysseus is going to cut off a six-foot portion of that, sharpen it, stab it into the fire to burn the tip, and then he, with his men, are going to stab it into the eye of Polyphemus, and then they're going to blind him. While he's blind, they suppose, he's still going to have to open his cave the next day to let his sheep out. When those sheep are going out, Odysseus and his men are going to be hanging beneath them, because one problem with uh, Polyphemus is that he only has one eye. The Cyclopes only have one eye. This is a symbol. If you only have one eye, there's something that you don't have that humans with two eyes have. It's called depth perception. You can only, you can't quite see how things, how far things actually are from you. In fact, if you ever drive like this, you are a lot more likely to run into things because you don't know how far away they are from you. In fact, it might not be legal for you to drive like that. I wouldn't recommend that you drive that way. <coughs> In any case, one problem with Polyphemus is he only looks at the surface of things. He only looks at things as he sees them, not as he could understand them to be if he really looked beneath the surfaces of things. In fact, what he will do when Odysseus jabs out his eye or burns it closed forever is he'll touch the tops of the sheep, indicating that he only sees the surface of things. But where will Odysseus and his men be? Beneath the sheep. Since he doesn't understand the whole situation, since he doesn't get a full picture of what is happening, Odysseus, who does have a stronger mental representation of what's happening, will get the best of him. But things won't be quite as perfect as that. In any case, Polyphemus comes back. First thing he does is he has his third meal of two men, smashes their heads against the ground, skins them, burns them, eats them. Six of them have been killed now. Odysseus then goes up to speak to Polyphemus, and he speaks very ingratiatingly. He says, oh, great Polyphemus. Have some wine to go with your human flesh. And, you know, if Polyphemus were in any way clever or intelligent, he would understand that Odysseus is up to something. But he doesn't. He's just like, this guy's dumb. Uh, and uh, he, Polyphemus then drains the cup three times. 
totally unmixed. He's getting drunk. And then he says, who are you, little man? What's your name? And Odysseus very intelligently says, my name is nobody. And you think, oh, that's kind of a, not the greatest thing to call yourself, but it's very important that he doesn't get his name at this point. You'll see that this is essential to his plan. Because the Cyclops then says, okay, you've given me this wine. That's a nice guest gift for you to give to me. Let me offer you a guest gift. I will eat all of your men first, and then I will eat you last. Which, uh, if this were a conventional sort of ninth grade class, we would teach you a book called And Then There Were None. And in fact, one of the punishments in that story, where uh, people are invited to a secret island where they die one after another, and little Native American figures disappear when each man dies, uh, the punishment, the greatest punishment there is to be the last person to die, because you have to watch all uh, the people around you die while a sense of fear and foreboding builds into you uh, until... Uh, uh, Basically, you're ready to crack. In fact, the last person doesn't even have to kill them, or is not even killed. They end up killing themselves because they know that they'll be blamed for all the murders that happen on that island, which is uh, pretty ugly, pretty ugly. But that's a story that is told often to young people. In any case, Cyclops says, okay, nobody, I'll eat you last. That's my guest gift for you. Odysseus probably gritting his teeth thinking, don't, don't you worry. I don't need any guest gifts from you. <coughs> oh, yes. This is a grisly detail. As Polyphemus goes down to sleep, he falls asleep. He actually vomits. And I always uh, take a moment to pause on this just to think about just how nasty a situation this is. Not only is the cave filled with the bones and the blood and the smell of your burned friends, which uh, to you, if you're hungry, might even smell uh, good, um, unfortunately, because flesh of humans smells sort of like flesh of other animals. Um, in any case, Polyphemus vomits up much of the, uh, uh, the blood and the guts and the bones of Odysseus's men, Odysseus can see this. And so he is firm in his resolve to punish this Cyclops for what he has done. Well, he takes this stick, this olive branch, six feet long with four additional of his men, two others just sitting around, and they punch it into the fire and they stab it into Polyphemus's eye. And the reason why they burn the edge is that when a, a, a burning brand touches human skin, it cauterizes it immediately, which means that it, it sort of scars immediately. Uh, in fact, something that uh, is done on the battlefield, or at least traditionally would have been done, is that if somebody were pouring blood, you would burn the place where that blood was coming from so that you would very quickly close the wound. That said, the wound never heals properly after that. That is why we brand cattle, because then it has a tattoo that it never uh, gets rid of. In any case, if you brand a person's eye, it will never heal. It will never heal appropriately. Polyphemus is blind forever. That is why uh, Odysseus is doing this. Uh, just as Polyphemus was blind to the situation and the person who was in front of him and his abilities and talents, so will he be physically blind for all time. Uh, in any case, a very interesting note here is that Polyphemus then screams out, Ah! And all the other Cyclopes, they live in caves too. And since there are no laws, they don't really have to come help Polyphemus. But they're like, what's happening over there? If something's hurting him, it might be hurting us. And he says, they say, what's afflicting you? What's hurting you, Polyphemus? And, well, what's the name of Odysseus as far as he knows? Nobody. So he says, nobody is hurting me. And so all the other Cyclopes are like, man, you're kind of a weird Cyclops. Uh, nobody's hurting you. They're like, well, then you must have gone crazy. It must be a mental disease. And it's, it's, it's sad because it's like we still sort of think that way. You see somebody like walking and talking to themselves on the street. They're like, the cuckoo went down to the cuckoo. I don't know. And you're like, do you go talk to that person? No, you steer clear of that person. You're like, 
that person has problems, I cannot deal with them. Well, it's the same idea with the Cyclopes. They're like, you must have done something to anger the gods. You are cursed. We don't want any of that. They all go away. Totally, they do not help Polyphemus at all. Would have been nice if they had some laws. They, with their vision, could have seen Odysseus and then punished him. Unfortunately, they, they just didn't put it together that well. In any case, the next day, Polyphemus needs to let his cattle out now. But he's blind, and he does not. All, but he does not also want to let Odysseus and his men out. So Odysseus's men strap themselves beneath the cattle. You can see this in this black figure, Amphora, right here. Uh, Odysseus's men uh, looks like he's both backwards and front, kind of a weird thing. Like notice this arm, and then this one, and then the legs going the other way, kind of weird looking. So that happens when you try and represent something that's three dimensional, two dimensionally. It just doesn't look right. In any case. Polyphemus sits at the entrance of the cave, and he's touching the tops of the rams and the sheep. And he's touching them, and he's touching them, and Odysseus's men escape under. And something interesting about Odysseus is he chooses, a, he chooses to himself uh, not strap in, but to grab by his own strength. And this is something you'll see. He's the guy who gets a grip, who can endure physically and emotionally, and uh, uh, yeah, physically and emotionally. I'd say mentally too, but that might be emotionally as well. In some sense. In any case, he's hanging on to Polyphemus' favorite ram. And this favorite ram supposedly used to lead all of the sheep. It would be in the front, but now it's in the back. Now, if you were a thinking person, and your sheep, which is usually in the front, is in the back, and there are people in your cave that are probably trying to escape, you might well reason that the reason that your ram is in the back rather than the front is that he is wadded down. Weighed down. Like there's somebody hanging on to him. But Polyphemus, again, he's sightless. He's blind, not only physically, but mentally. He, he starts to talk to the ram. He's like somebody with their cat. And he's like, oh, ram, you used to be always in the front of all of my sheep. But now you're in the back. It must be because you are, you are lamenting. You are sorrowing for the blindness of your master. It's very sort of sweet in a sickly sort of way. But uh, it's also totally wrong. It's like if you just thought about it, Polyphemus, you would know that your ram is clearly holding a fugitive underneath it. Then you could pick up your ram, pick Odysseus off, and then eat him. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way for Polyphemus. <coughs> the men then reach the ships. They're in the clear. They are totally free and going to uh, escape, except Polyphemus comes out from his cave and he yells. He yells at these men. And Odysseus, he just can't help himself. Even though he's, he's out at sea a little bit, he has to yell at Polyphemus. He has to get Cleos for this. He needs credit for it. He needs Polyphemus to know who beat him. So he yells out, remember for all time and tell anybody who comes, because he wants people to know this, that Odysseus is the one who blinded you. And that is a big mistake of Odysseus's. Because remember, who's Polyphemus's dad? Poseidon. Polyphemus immediately calls down a curse. On Odysseus, he says, oh, Poseidon, curse this man who has blinded me. And, and then even, uh, he takes a boulder, which is supposedly as big as like the top of a mountain, and throws it in the water, and it hits right next to Odysseus' ship, so close that it creates a wave that pushes Odysseus' pushes Odysseus's ship all the way back to the beach. And they have to push off again, and then escape. And yet, even then, Odysseus has to yell back out. 
to Polyphemus, which gives him a chance to throw yet another boulder at uh, Odysseus. But something interesting here is that Polyphemus reveals that he, like Alcanaus, actually knew a prophecy, a prophecy involving Odysseus. He was told by a man named Telemos, who he said was kind of a small man, that he knew one day he would meet a person who would blind him. <laughs> it's like, why wouldn't you think that any person that you meet then could potentially be Odysseus who would blind you? But this is what he says, again showing that his expectation of reality and reality itself are very different, and that he is blind to what he can see right in front of him very clearly. He says, I expected a man who was strong and handsome to come blind me, not you, Odysseus, and yet, who blinded him? Odysseus. And whose fault was that for not seeing what was right in front of his face? Polyphemus. Very good, very good. Uh, very interesting, the different sorts of blindness in these texts. We'll see uh, Demodocus, who can see so much, though he's blind. We'll also see soon in Book 11, a prophet named Tiresias, who's blind. And yet he can see things others can't. It's almost like the thing with, the thing you use to see the world best is not your eye or eyes, but your mind itself. Hmm. Interesting idea, Odyssey. In any case, uh, Polyphemus then says, I can give you another guest gift if you just come back, Odysseus. Odysseus is like, I'm not coming back to see you ever again. I'm leaving from here. But now he is unfortunately cursed. Now, something to think about is this. In the very first ten lines of the Odyssey, we heard that it was the men's recklessness, Odysseus's men's recklessness, that lead to their death. Yes, yes, it does often seem true. At the Cocones, they're reckless. You'll see on Circe's Isle, they're reckless. In our very next lecture, you'll see with the bag of winds given to him from a god of a floating island named Aeolus, that it is the men's recklessness that gets them, and ultimately, they will eat this cattle, cattle of the sun, Apollo's cattle, and they will die because of that. But, this is Poseidon's curse, that um, Odysseus will not know the details of until he goes down into the underworld at command of Circe in Book 11. You will either die on the sea, or you will reach home with no ship, no money, and no companions in a bad state, and your home will be infested with suitors. Is it the case that it is the recklessness of the men that gets them killed? Or is it the case that the curse of Poseidon that was brought down on the head of Odysseus because of him calling out his name to Polyphemus gets them killed? Which one is it? Now, I think that the bard, Homer himself, wants to suggest that it is not Odysseus' fault. That's why in the proem, it does not say that it is Odysseus' fault. That said, I think that that is something worth chewing on, much better than chewing on what Polyphemus was chewing on, because that would make you a what? A cannibal. Very good. It would make you a cannibal. Good. We don't want you to do that. All right. Quick review of the first three places that we've been. Remember, the first place that Odysseus went after Troy was a, a place in Thrace called Ismaros, and it is where he met the Kikones. They attacked and plundered them. They took their wives and their money, and uh, even some wine, which ends up being a, uh, an intelligent thing for them to have taken. But they stayed too long, and they lost six men per ship. Odysseus at that time had 12 ships. He still has 12 ships at this time. After our next lecture, he'll be down to one, by the way. Down to one. Then we met the Lotus Eaters. They're very bizarre people. We don't know much about them. we got about 30 lines on them. They seem to get drug addicted to some opiate-style uh, flower. They sit around, 
They are like the bad version of, you know what uh, adults often say to you, you're very busy, you're doing things, doing things. They say, you need to stop and what? Anybody know this expression? Gotta stop and smell the flowers. Well, the problem with the lotus eaters is they have stopped and they have continued to smell the flowers and that's all they do. It's like, you can't just stop and smell the flowers. In any case, uh, Odysseus took his two men that got addicted to lotus back to his ship, dragged them by the hair. Uh, and then we met the Cyclopes. Remember that the Cyclops we meet is named Polyphemus. You can see again a black figure face painting here of him getting his eye poked out. The Cyclopes as a society were onomous. They're very different, opposite from the five kings. They don't have sophisticated laws. They don't have a sophisticated social structure. They don't have kings and queens, for example, or princesses. They uh, don't have sophisticated homes. They live in caves. They don't have any way to transport themselves between um, cities or islands. Uh, they don't have chariots. They don't have um, they don't have uh, uh, ships. And because of this, well, that's very nice for everybody that exists in Odysseus's world because probably the Cyclopes would do what if they could travel? What'd they do when they met some people uh, at their own home? They ate them. So they'd probably go around and eat and pillage. Hmm. In any case, recall also that Odysseus first called himself nobody but then revealed his name when he was attempting to escape from Polyphemus and then Polyphemus called down a curse onto him from his father Poseidon. Alright, is that the same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. And I thought about talking about this stuff to you, but here's a quick preview of tomorrow, or excuse me, uh, uh, the lectures tomorrow, as in the next tomorrow. We'll then see in our next lecture, Iolus' Isle, which is a floating island with a god who marries his sons to his daughters. I know, I know, very strange. Then we're going to see what happens with that. They're going to meet another giant people. They're going to do a lot of damage to Odysseus and his men. Eleven of his twelve ships will be destroyed by these people. They are called the Lystrogonaves. And then we are going to get to an island with a sea witch who can transform men into animals. Her name is Circe. And that will be the end of our next lecture. And after that, we have to go down to the Achaean version of hell, essentially, the underworld. And I'll tell you all about that. That will not be the only underworld you see during your great book's career. We will see one in the Aeneid as well, which will be far more stratified. And then you'll see a, like a super one uh, next year with Dante. All right.